Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertility After the Podcast. This is episode 258 called Dr. Marcy Crouch. Okay, guys, before we get started, I just want to let everybody know, in case you haven't heard, my first children's book is available for pre-order now. I'm so excited about it. It is about IVF and assisted reproductive technology. It is called Work of Art, and it's about my family building journey. And I'm so proud of it. I worked with the greatest illustrator, Federico Bonificini, and I wrote the words myself. They came from the heart. I would love for you guys to check it out. It's available on my website, which is infertileafgroup.com slash books. You can find it there. There's two different versions. There are a very small limited quantity left of the personalized books where I will write you a personalized note that you can tell me exactly what you want me to say. And that includes shipping in the US. And there's also a version that is not personalized at a bit lower of a price point. So whatever you would like, you can check them out there. You can also buy bulk orders, which some people have been doing to give away as gifts like clinics and other companies, which is really cool. So you can buy a bulk order there as well. So check it out at infertileafgroup.com slash books. It's called Work of Art. I hope you love it as much as I loved writing it. The whole point was I just wanted to open the conversation with children, normalize the conversation about these kids who were born through assisted reproductive technology. This is going to be the first in a series. So I would love for you to check it out. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, my guest today is so super interesting. She is Dr. Marcy Crouch, otherwise known as the Down There Doc. It might be the greatest Instagram handle ever, the Down There Doc. So follow her if you're not already. She's a pelvic floor physical therapist, and she's going to talk about all of her fertility journey, everything she went through to have her two boys today. So without further ado, this is Dr. Marcy Crouch's infertility story. Hey, Marcy, how are you? I am doing great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for doing this. Can I call you the down there doc? Yes. You can call <laughs> me whatever. <laughs> okay. So we yes. will get into all that. I know you have your own infertility journey and now you're working really hard with women and in the reproductive space, fertility space. We'll get into all of that. But I always like to start by asking, did you always want to be a mom? That is a great question. To be honest, I don't think I did always want to be a mom. I mean, I wasn't one of those kids in high school that like loved kids. I didn't babysit. You know, I just, that wasn't like kind of who I was. I was doing other things and it just wasn't like something that I thought. But then once I met my husband and once we started, you know, thinking about our future, it was, it kind of hit me all at once that I definitely wanted to be a mom. I definitely wanted to have kids for lots of different reasons. And I just kind of was so sure that it was going to happen on my own time <laughs> line. And, you know, I had everything yeah. else in my life was like to plan and schedule. And then, you know, when we started at IVF, it was definitely kind of a slap in the face. But, but yeah, it was, it wasn't something that I've always, you know, dreamed of as, you know, a little girl. Mm -hmm. I think that. <laughs> I mean, not many people really think they're going to have problems with it, you know, yeah. having children, right? So like, yeah. why would you think that? Tell yeah. me, did, were you guys on the same page about what you wanted your family to look like? And what did, yeah, it, totally. what did it look like when you started to try? Was it just not happening or what were you guys going yeah. through? Yeah. So we had been 
separated um, for, I would say the first, I guess, three or four years of our marriage, because I was still going through grad school. My husband was working. So we were living apart and we would just see each other on the weekends or during a break from my grad school, pretty much. And so we were very, you know, clear that we weren't going to start our family until after I had graduated grad school. We were both working, we were secure, we were settled, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So I guess it was 2011, I finished my residency and moved back to be with my husband into California. And it was summertime. And I was like, okay, let's go. You know, like I'd love to try. School is behind me. I felt like I was in like a normal quote unquote life, you know, working, both of us working fine. And so I stopped being, I took, I stopped taking birth control like that. I was like, okay, we're done. And I was sure in my, I was positive that we were going to be pregnant by Christmas time. I was already planning out our announcements, our Christmas cards. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get to wear the cutest outfits for the holidays. And the universe had other plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for us totally but like yeah i mean we both were okay let's go and we thought it was going to be no problem so what happened like when the universe had other plans what was happening it just oh it my wasn't God. it wasn't it wasn't happening yeah okay and so when did you start to worry and think i might need to see a specialist for this well me being like a little type a and a little bit you know in the healthcare field i wanted to go see somebody kind of right away and i was at the time seeing my ob was just just normal, like kind of general OB. And he was like, well, you know, before you like, let's wait a year, you know, before you go see reproductive endocrinology, I think it had been about six months or so since we had been trying and nothing happened. And so he put me on Clomid first, you know, a couple rounds of Clomid that didn't do anything. And then that's when we started to go to our first reproductive endocrinologist in California. So I would say it was probably about like, nine months in, I think. And that's when like the whole, we started kind of Mm -hmm. the whole thing, all the tests, everything. Right. So what um, did they test you for? And what were they saying? Like, were they able to find anything or was it just a series of tests? A series of tests, like nothing really showed up both genetically and hormonally. Everything was kind of fine. Um, My husband had low motility, but one doctor was like, oh, it's totally fine. It, you can definitely like still have kids. And another doctor was like, I don't know. I don't know if we could. So it was like conflicting of kind of conflicting opinions back and forth. And this was our for, first like forte into all of this. And I mean, like, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about fertility or fertility treatments or like what was normal and what, I mean, I had no idea. This was like totally new. Mm-hmm. So our doctor decided that um, he just didn't think we were candidates for IUI. He was like, I don't think it's going to work. I think we have to go like right to the big guns and do ICSI. Okay. IVF. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I'm like, that sounds great. I don't know what that is, but like, let's do that. Right. That sounds great. So we did that and we got a ton of, of eggs. We got a ton of embryos. At the time, this doctor was not doing fresh transfers. He was doing frozen and he was doing day threes. Okay. And I didn't really know why or the benefits of three or five or fresh or frozen. I just was like going along for it. You know, this was just somebody that was like telling me what to do. And I was like, okay, you know, I put like my whole faith in this guy, you know? Totally. So we did, um, we got ready for our first frozen transfer and my lining was not getting thick no matter what they were doing. So they canceled that, gave me more hormones. Lining still wasn't getting thick. They decided to do it anyways. 
put into embryos. I got pregnant first try, even with a thin lining. And then at 11 weeks at our last appointment, before they kind of send you off to your normal OB, there was no heartbeat. So, mm, so sorry. I know that was like, I knew something was wrong too. Like, and everybody just kept telling me that I was being a pessimist and that I wasn't being positive and that, you know, everything would be fine and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I knew there was something not right. Cause I felt like crap for the first 11 weeks. And then I woke up one day and I felt fine. And I was Oof. like, I don't know, this is like, that's my husband. Yeah. yeah. And my husband was like, well, you're getting towards the end of the first trimester. Maybe like the morning sickness is going away. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And then that happened. So that was heartbreaking. Having a loss while you're going through IVF is just so hard to comprehend. Absolutely. And, yes. And it's like this finite thing because, you know, you only have like X amount of money and you only have X amount of embryos. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, once that, you know, those four embryos or two embryos or whatever, you know, I'm like, okay, well, that's like, just check them off the list because we don't have this like infinite supply. Right. And none of my friends really knew what to say or do. Some of them were starting to get pregnant. Some of them weren't really there yet in their lives. My friends who were pregnant, you know, would just think about getting pregnant and get pregnant, no problems. Mm -hmm. So it just felt like really isolating, you know? Definitely. Um, and I was like, I'm like working with pregnant women. Right. So what were you doing work-wise? Yeah. So I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. So I help women um, prepare for delivery, get through their pregnancies with less pain, reduce pelvic floor issues from delivery, and then treat pelvic floor problems after like leaking pain, prolapse, that sort of thing. I had a lot of patients at the time who were pregnant at the same time I was pregnant. And so, and we were like the same amount of pregnant. And so like after I miscarried, I would continue to treat them and they would go through their pregnancy. So they're, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, that I must have been devastating. Yeah. And I couldn't, all I could do is just be like, oh, I'm supposed to be that many weeks pregnant or I'm supposed to be yes. that many, you it's know, a like a reminder. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, I didn't share that part of my life with my clients and patients at the time, but I mean, this sounds so petty, but there. <laughs> I remember, I'll never forget it. There's this one woman who was like exactly the same amount of pregnant as I was. And she was complaining about having to take prenatal vitamins and like no. remembering to take them. And I was just thinking like, as I'm like working on her back, you know, being like, man, I would give anything to have to take those right now, you know? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's like <sighs> torture. It, yeah. It just was like so awful. So that was the first miscarriage. I went back in to get ready for the, for another transfer. There was still some placenta, some placenta left from the DNC and my HCG was still high. So I had to go back in and have another DNC. Then I developed all these complications from that one. I had some scar tissue. I had like these weird blood clots in my uterus, had to do another DNC to clear all that out. Then a couple other things happened in between. And this was like, this took months, like months. It wasn't just like within six right. weeks. Right. I mean, and how were you like, doing like mentally? Oh, mess mess. Yeah. I was a wreck. I had like so much anxiety. I was like, work was so tough. I was consumed by this, you know, constantly like scrolling Google at two o'clock in the morning, you know, like jotting down every single note that I could. I, I was a wreck. I was a complete wreck. I, mm -hmm. I can't, I mean, thank God I didn't have a kid because I don't think I could have been functioning at that, like another kid, a toddler or something. Like there's no way that I could have been 
functioning at all. Mm -hmm. So I had all these complications, like months and months and months. And then we get ready to do another transfer. So do another transfer, get pregnant. And then my HCG levels start dropping like second time. So they just Mm -hmm. dropped, 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 lost that pregnancy. Trying to think what happened after that. Didn't have a DNC for that one. So that one just kind of, you know, I just took the miso and, and that went, did its own thing. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then my husband got a job out of state. And so I told my our, my RE that we were moving and like, what do we do with these leftover embryos? And he's like, well, let's try to do a natural cycle before you go. And this was like quick. Like when my husband gets a job, he has to go like within a couple of weeks. It's not like, oh, okay, in six months we're going, like he's going then. And so I, I we were going to do a natural cycle. I It was working out timing wise. Everything looked good. They were prepping me for that. And the morning of the transfer, I called to see what time I needed to be in. And he said that all of my embryos had not survived. Mm. And I had like six or seven left. So I had no more embryos. Like that was it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so that's it. And he's like, that's it. He's oh like, I can, refer, I can refer you to someone up in Portland if you want to try again. And I was like, oh, and that yeah. was over like a year. I know, you know so many people listening have had that same thing happen to them. And you're like, what did I just go through all of this for? Totally. Was that what you felt like? It was like, oh, yeah. it almost feels like all of this for nothing. Yeah. And I was alone. You know, my husband had already moved. Right. And I was like, oh, cool. I just spent all this money on like drugs and right. my work schedule. Cause you know how it is. It's like, sure they call you the night before and they're like, okay, you have to be here at this time. You need to come in at this time for this blood work. You have to go get this medication. And you know, it's like, I was just, I remember one time I was like driving to San Francisco at 11 o'clock at night to get some sort of, to get some sort of medication that I ran out of that, you know, I needed and I didn't know I needed. And it was just like crazy. Yeah. It is. And the lengths that you'll go through to do, to, you know, to do this and yeah. the stuff that you have to endure, it's just, it's almost, it's unfathomable unless you're in it. Like it's hard yeah. to explain to people that, that don't have to go through this, like how taxing it is emotionally, yeah, emotionally. financially, mm-hmm. on your relationship, physically, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And my husband travels a lot. So like I was giving myself all the injections in my butt you know, I was like taking them to work. I was doing all of that stuff. Like he wasn't around to help me with that. I mean, it was like, I was organizing all of the meds and all of the refills and all of the money and all of the things and all the appointments and all of this and working full time Mm -hmm. and like, you know, doing all the things. Right. Exactly. My God. You are a badass for going through all of that. So, okay. So what happened next with you guys? So then let's see, we moved to Portland, Oregon, and we were trying to decide if we had it in us to do it again. Mm -hmm. And we looked at some adoption. We went to a couple of meetings with like local, you know, DCS, DCFS to see what that was like, foster to adopt, you know, that sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. um, we decided we just weren't quite ready for that, like commitment. And we just weren't sure that that was, you know, our path. So we met with the new reproductive endocrinologist up in Portland to have that first meeting and just kind of see, you know, what the vibe was and, you know, what that was going to look like. And it was a good meeting. And, you know, we decided that we would give it one more try. We're like, okay, this is it. We're going to go once more. And then if it works great, if it doesn't work, then we're like putting this to bed. We're going to like end this chapter and we're going to move forward. Cause 
I mean, you just could potentially keep going forever. You know? Totally. Yeah. And it's like at some point, you know, from a financial and mental health standpoint, it's like you have to be okay with having kind of an end point, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's all- hard to, it's hard to, to do that though, sometimes. Totally. And it's hard, you know, and sometimes people keep pushing the finish line. It's like, well, maybe I'll do another round. I yeah. said I would never do another one, but, but maybe this is it. You no, know, yeah, maybe this is so much based on what you're going through. Totally. And I think too, it was like all of our experiences to date were like awful. I mean, there was, it was all traumatic. So we didn't have any positive things to look back on and have Mm -hmm. faith in, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, okay, we got, you know, one baby and then maybe we had, you know, not so great luck the next time, but we know it could potentially work because we had this successful, like we didn't have any success. So Mm -hmm. we were like, oh my God, like are the chips stacked against us? Like, what are we doing? So we decided to go for it with this new doctor um, who was great. And the clinic was like a well-oiled machine. I mean, they had everything super organized. They had everything on site. It was so refreshing. I wasn't stressed about like calendar. I mean, they knew they had it like ready to go. So I felt Mm -hmm. really supported. And um, I appreciated that as a patient. Mm -hmm. And so we... Yeah, we ended up with four after like everything was said and done. We ended up with four day five blastocysts, and they did a live breast transfer. They put two in the first time, one stuck, and that's my eight year old Jonathan. And then the remaining two went on ice, and um, which is so wild to think about that. <laughs> like technically, they are paternal twins, like they were grown in the right. dish at the same time. That's so cool. I know. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what would happen if they picked like Will first instead of Jonathan, you know, it's like, mm. and then, um, so the remaining two went on ice. And then about 18 months later, we did frozen transfer to do get Will. So he put the remaining two in, Will stuck. And then here we are. Tell me about getting that phone call of that Will had stuck and it had worked. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I kind of cheated this time around. Like I did the pee sticks, even though they told me not to, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had like a little bit of an inkling that, you know, it had at least initially for both of them had worked. But I think for me, really, it was like the HCG numbers and seeing that doubling and seeing that rise and then like getting through one ultrasound and then getting through the other ultrasound and getting through the other ultrasound. I did feel with my second one that I was a little bit less stressed about it because I knew I had had it before. So I felt a little bit more like, okay, I could potentially, this could be successful. But then with Will, my second one, I had a placental abruption at 17 weeks. And Mm. um, that was kind of like, I mean, it was terrifying. What happened? I woke up from a nap in like a murder scene, basically. Mm. Nothing happened. I mean, it just was like crazy. I mean, I wasn't doing anything. I was napping. Jonathan was, you know, still a toddler. He was napping. And my husband came home from work and took me to the ER. And they basically were like, well, it's too early. It either will be fine or not be fine. What did you think? Did you think you were having a miscarriage? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I was like on the way to the ER, I was preparing myself to be like, it's, this is it. That's so terrifying. Yeah. And he was, it was fine. I stopped bleeding and the placenta reattached (laughs) and he was like, he was 10 pounds when he was born. I mean, he was fine. 
like he went through. And I remember after I had him, I couldn't, I had trouble delivering the placenta because it had scarred down where it had reattached and attached again. So they had to manually take it out. Wow. Wow. It really like stuck there. Right. So being the, seeing as you are, you know, so such an expert in this, you know, field now, like, do you know anything about placental issues with like IVF pregnancies? Cause it's, they're pretty common. I don't, I don't know that statistic. And at the time I didn't either. Mm -hmm. And, um, nobody talked to me about that from, Mm -hmm. you know, like an IVF versus normal pregnancy standpoint. I mean, what the education that I got as a patient was like, once you're past the first trimester, it's just like a normal pregnancy and like, that's it. So Mm -hmm. whatever happens after that would have happened anyways, Mm -hmm. versus like, you're not at higher risk for anything. And that's just, that was what I was taught Mm -hmm. or told or not told, Mm -hmm. you know, eight years ago, but right. I don't know how true that is or, or what the statistics are, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know the exact, exact statistics either. I mean, and part of me kind of just like, I just wanted to like block everything out and just like get through the pregnancies. Totally. I mean, I remember with my first one, like I didn't even want a baby shower. I was like, no, I don't like, I don't want it. I am afraid it's going to jinx it. Like, I don't like, it's it's such a common feeling that people who've gone through loss or in, you know, infertility have. And, you know, we talk about how infertility robs you of so much. And that's like one of the things that I think it takes from people is that joy and that like, unabashed yeah. like excitement because you're yeah. always like you're used to getting bad news or like you said totally. you're scared that you're going to jinx it or something like yeah. that. I know and it's so like ridiculous, you know, but my it's not though. I mean it's like you're coming from trauma. So it's yeah it's, it makes it's, sense, you know. Yeah, it's true. And my girlfriend's like kind of strong armed me into doing it. And they're like, we're doing this for you. Like this right. is important. And I'm so glad that they did and that and that we had that. It was like a beautiful weekend. Yeah. But it's the it's same fun. thing with like buying, you know, things for the nursery or even decorating right. the nursery, things like that. It's scary. Totally. Yeah, totally. And it's so funny because like when my friend's starting to get pregnant with no problems or I'd see other people get pregnant with no, with no problems, I'm just like, wow, you got like that whole world of like not even worrying about that or anything going wrong. It's just like so foreign to me. Totally. Like, oh, you Like you just like wanted to get pregnant and you did. Mm-hmm. And then now you're having this like beautiful, healthy pregnancy and you don't even like, you're not even concerned about like your HCG numbers or how thick your lining is exactly. or you're like, so right. what your progesterone, like I had a spreadsheet of all totally. It's, I'm just like, how you don't have an ultrasound until like 13 weeks. That's amazing. I've had 10 by then. Exactly. You know? It's like, and I would have like, one every day if I could. Yes. And I like, I worked in an OB's office. So, I mean, I made my OB on her lunch break. Like my office was right next to hers. I was like, get in here with that ultrasound and like put that in my vagina. And I want to see that baby. And she was like, you're psychotic. I'm like, I know, just do it. Oh my God. That's so awesome that you had access to that. You know, I know people Is that it? go and that people go and do it independently and pay yeah. a clinic out of pocket to just yeah. get that extra reassurance, which totally. makes so much sense. Yeah. Same with the, I bought a Doppler off Amazon, yeah. you know, yeah. and my husband's like, I think this is making your anxiety worse. And I was like, probably it's yeah. like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? I know. I think I'm the like, thing oh. with the Doppler that's is some is sometimes like, if you don't do it correctly, you yes. might not get, you know, you might not hear it or something. So yeah. that's like, there's pros and cons, I think for sure. But I can totally, totally. see why somebody would want one. Yes. A hundred percent. Especially mm-hmm. after the placental abruption, you know, I was like, I right. that he's okay in there. And- right. 
Right. So you've got your two healthy boys. Mm -hmm. Was that the end of your family building journey? Were you guys like, okay, we're good now? Yeah. I mean, that was it for our embryos. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older. My husband's seven years older than I am. And we felt like we were complete and, you know, we were, we kind of put it to rest and, you know, weren't in a financial position to do another round and felt that like, we were lucky with two and they're healthy and great. And like, that's, we're good. Right. So let's let's live our life. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me about the work that you're doing these days. Um, It's so interesting to me. What do you do do exactly? Yeah. So as a pelvic floor physical therapist, I specialize in treating women with pelvic floor problems. And so this is what I've done my whole life life career as a physical therapist. So over 13 years of doing pelvic floor issues, my kind of specialty and where I've like narrowed down in the last couple of years really has been in preparation for delivery with the goal of preventing birth injury and birth trauma and long-term pelvic floor problems. So physical therapists really are the best people to look at movement and prevention of injury, whether it's in your shoulder or your knee And the same thing needs to apply to women because pregnancy and birth is a huge load on the body. Mm -hmm. And we aren't thinking about that as part of like pregnancy maternal health care. We're focusing on baby, which is very important, obviously. And we need to be focusing on mom as well, you know, preeclampsia, gestational diabetes, all these things. But we also need to be looking at ways to help her through the pregnancy and have an easier and more efficient delivery from a pelvic floor standpoint. So we don't have these long-term pelvic floor problems like leaking pee, pain with sex, incontinence, prolapse that usually stick around through menopause and get worse as we get older. And those issues affect every aspect of a woman's life, not just physical exercise and fitness, but her sense of self, her ability to go back to the workforce, intimate relationships, her identity as a mom, whatever her past, you know, fitness or exercise goals were, you know, if you were a runner and you loved to run and now you can't anymore, that's going to take a huge toll on your mental health and your physical well-being. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, I see a lot of flight. I live outside of Atlanta. And when I lived in Portland, I saw a lot of flight attendants there and I see a lot of flight attendants here. And these are women who like can't go back to work fully because every time they lift a suitcase over their head, they pee. Right. (laughs) Or, you know, they're trying to lift a heavy bag and they pee a little bit. Exactly. You know, so it's kind of like, what are all of these things that women are modifying or not doing anymore because of a muscle problem that could be prevented? And Mm -hmm. so that's really kind of what my focus is on. Just like we focus on women soccer players and prevent ACL injuries. It's the same that we're we're just, we're just applying that physiological evidence, physical Mm -hmm. therapy techniques to the birthing and pregnant population. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what we're doing here at the Down There Doc. So I have online programs for moms, Mm -hmm. birth prep, early recovery. For those Mm -hmm. of you that have, you know, had babies, you might've noticed that there's nothing from zero to six weeks <laughs> in terms of recovery or healing. And so mm-hmm. we're filling that gap. And then the six week mark, when we get cleared for everything, we're giving a little bit more guidance and roadmap for that time period to get back into safe exercise, sex, movement um, that's protective of your pelvic floor instead of hurting it. It's so interesting. So 
if somebody wants to work with you or mm-hmm. connect to you, how can they find you? I mean, I hang out on Instagram a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Instagram is the down there doc. Uh, my website is the same, the down there doc.com. Okay. <laughs> we do, we have free webinars. Um, I also have a podcast. It's called No Mama Left Behind. I do it with a mental health professional. So we talk about physical and mental health during pregnancy and postpartum. Mm-hmm. And then I I have a community, online community that is through our courses. And you can find out all of that information on the website and on Instagram. Awesome. And also, how has going through like everything you went through with infertility affected your ability to just relate to women in general? And, you know, do you have people going through infertility coming to you specifically to try to work on this stuff too? Yeah, for sure. I think it's given me, it's two things. One, it's given, it's given me a lot more empathy for the feelings of overwhelm and the feelings of being on the other side of the table and not really understanding like what's happening and having your life kind of consumed by this. Like I understand what that feels like to, to juggle kind of everything and really be trying to figure it out. The second thing is I think it's really helped guide the business, the down there dog business into making easier for women because it's hard (laughs) out there from a fertility reproductive standpoint, maternal health side of things. Like it's hard to get resources. It's hard to find everything. So I really want to, I really wanted to like take my experience as a mom, as somebody that went through IVF and as a health professional and kind of meld it into one place where women can feel supported. They can get what they need. They don't feel judged about their questions. They're not told that they're crazy. They're not told that they're being oversensitive. They're not told that it's normal. You know, all this stuff, like all the stuff that I was told, I'm like, I'm not, that's not what's happening. We're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think too, it's like, this is the next step from like a fertility, especially for people that listen to your podcast and that are going through infertility. It's like, we, we have all of this kind of handholding through the fertility process through 11 weeks, you know, 12 weeks. And then now what? Okay. Now you're pregnant. Now you are like transferred to your normal quote unquote OB and like, now, now what? It's like, this is that part. All right, friends. Thank you so much for listening. Definitely follow Dr. Marcy on the Down There Doc, which again is just the best name. And also don't forget to check out my book, which is called Work of Art. You can get your copy at inforlayoffgroup.com slash books. There's also a link in my bio and on my Instagram, which is Stories. So go there if you have any questions. I hope you love it. It's a true labor of love. As I said, it's all about my family building journey. And it was just so great to get it out into the world. And the response has been amazing. So thanks to everybody who's purchased it so far. I hope you can check it out. And if you have any questions or ever need anything, please let me know. And also really quickly, don't forget to check out Fertility Rally if you need a community or somewhere to go with people who get it. We've got six support groups per week now. We've got three private Facebook groups and we have so many resources. It is just the worst club with the best members, as we say. So check us out on Fertility Rally on Instagram, or you can go to our website, which is fertilityrally.com. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Whatever you're going through, please know you're not alone. DM me if you need to, and I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.